0: This is Todd from the Junkyard Outreach. Welcome, and thanks for joining me. For more information and episodes, check out junkyardoutreach.com. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? O, oh, you of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and sea obey him? Now, Jesus taught his disciples for three years, covering the critical areas of life, faith, and purposes of a child of God, and all these things that we read of in the Gospels and more. And we have several passages in Scripture where lessons like this are taught and reiterated and so forth. Something we see continually is the disciples faltering in their faith. And this is good when comparing our own weaknesses as believers to them, because a student of Scripture will quickly learn that throughout the Scriptures, great men and women also faltered. But it's also kind of depressing when we see Jesus correcting them, because they should have had faith. They were right there with him. And this expression, you of little faith, is only written in a few places in the Gospels, mainly in Matthew, only four places, and it's reiterated in Luke once. And the original word for little faith is oligopistos, where the original word for faith is "pistis." And we see several hundred verses with the word pistis throughout the New Testament. But oftentimes, we can find ourselves exercising oligopistos, or a little faith, compared to pistis or faith. We have the same problem as the disciples. And in this passage, Jesus is in the boat. With his disciples, four of which we know were experienced fishermen—Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Those guys were fishermen. They knew the waters. They knew how to sail a boat very well. They'd been in storms before, as part of their life. But at a time when they are stretched beyond their own confidence, Jesus will calm the storm. But notice when He accuses them of having little faith. When is it? It's not after the storm is calmed. It's in the midst of the storm. That's when He says, "Oh, you have little faith." Then He gets up and rebukes the storm. So if the disciples taught face-to-face by Jesus, observing the miracles he performed, watching him challenge and rebuke the religious elite, if the disciples can't seem to get it right, what hope is there for us to get it right? Well, we need to understand that the disciples were human as we are, and they made mistakes like we do. They also stumbled in the natural realm like we do when trying to trust in the supernatural power of God, which we often seem unable to discern. And their faith at times was weak, despite having everything they needed to see victory. But they didn't see the victory, because they lacked faith. In Luke chapter 9, verse 41, a man brings his demon-possessed child to Jesus after the disciples could not cast out the demon. And the man said, hey, your disciples couldn't do this, can you do it? And Jesus says in Luke 9, 41, Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to the guy? No, I think he's talking to the disciples. And he's probably looking right at him, calling him faithless and twisted. Because in the beginning of the chapter, it says in verse one, And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases and sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So they went out. He gave them the power. They went out and they did their thing. So they have the power, but why couldn't they do it? And Jesus attributes it to their being faithless and twisted. Now, how can that happen when they are successful in performing supernatural miracles before, and then they fall flat on their faces? I think it's because faith is rooted in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time filling; Rather, it's a day-by-day journey where we are asking God, fill me with your Holy Spirit where we must be constantly communing with God, constantly in prayer, walking this narrow and difficult path, trusting in Jesus, even in the things which are familiar, like being on the water in a boat, was to the disciples. You see, the disciples were confident in their own ability to sail across the Sea of Galilee because they'd done it many times. They didn't need faith to feel comfortable. They got it. I don't need faith. I I trust in myself. But when an unexpected storm arose, with such fury, their own confidence was shaken, and they didn't gather together and say, God will deliver us, be strong and overcome this situation with the power of God. What did they say? Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And that apparently was the wrong answer, according to Jesus, because he rebukes them for it. They didn't need to be saved from the storm because they were not perishing. Jesus was there. They couldn't see beyond their circumstances. They couldn't see Jesus right there with them. They're like, we're all going to die. They were scared, and we would be too. But instead of pushing through that fear, they simply cried for help. Now, there may be a time for us to cry out to Jesus, don't get me wrong, but when Jesus is with you, he knows what's up, and he's not going to let you perish. The Apostle Paul seemed to be more resistant to fear. You read about him, and he was a lot more bold in his approach to ministry, it seems. And his calling was pretty clear, and he knew Jesus would be there for him as he suffered, which he did big time. And it's interesting in Acts 26, as Paul stands before a king and explains his testimony, reiterating what Jesus said to him on the day Paul was confronted by Jesus. This is the conversation that Jesus had with Paul in Acts 26 at the time of his conversion. And this is Jesus talking in verse 16. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people, that's the Jews, and from the Gentiles, that's the non-Jews, whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now, this is an interesting progression. When we submit to Jesus, he is in control of our lives, just like he was in the boat with the disciples. We don't need to fear anything when we're in Christ. It's when we start doing life without following Him that we need to fear. And this is what the disciples experienced in the boat. They thought they didn't need Jesus to guide them across the sea. They had it under control. And what happened? They found themselves out of control. Just like when we do our own thing, thinking we can trust in our own strength instead of Jesus. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. Classic verse, Old Testament verse, totally applicable to our everyday lives. Trust in God, not yourself. And as Jesus told Paul, hey, your ministry is going to be to open people's eyes so that they can turn from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by me or set apart for his purposes by faith in me. So Let's look at that progression. The person first has to have their eyes open. This is a supernatural awakening to see the things which have always existed, but have not been seen or known in the past by the person. You cry out to God, open my eyes, you will begin to see things different. Once that person is awakened, so to speak, and they start to see the truth, then they realize what darkness is. It's bad. That was me. I can totally relate to this progression. I just began seeing things way different. And I saw things as darkness, and I'm like, I don't want any part of that. I want to go toward the light. And then, from the power of Satan to God, then I realized, that even though I didn't understand it or believe it, I was under the power of Satan. In 1 John five nineteen, that classic verse, we know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That was me, totally, lying in the power of the evil one. Turning from... Satan to God, then receiving the forgiveness of sins. And this happens when a person genuinely believes. Now, saying the sinner's prayer, you probably heard that, and I've led people in that before. That doesn't do anything if that person's heart is not right with God and the preceding steps have not occurred. And I've seen people respond to altar calls and their profession of faith lasts for a short time, then it dies. It leads you to wonder, you know, was that even real or not or whatever. But I've also seen people, they respond to an altar call and they take off like a rocket. And they're still serving the Lord 30 years later. So faith happened in their lives. It was there. Their eyes were already opened. They were already seeing the darkness and turning from that. And now that process of believing, now their sins are forgiven. So the faith expressed in a prayer, it must have the inward reality of true faith to be successful to receive the forgiveness of sins. Because if a person has no faith but is compelled by emotion to say a prayer, faith is not at work. And the entire profession is built on emotion. Well, what happens when those emotions go away? Genuine faith. That's what leads us into a relationship with God. Phony faith or superficial faith or half-hearted faith. You're really walking on thin ice. But a person who starts with asking Jesus to open their eyes and then turns from darkness and the power of Satan to light, to the power of God, that person will receive the forgiveness of their sin. They will receive that relationship with Christ because their faith is real and their relationship with Jesus is real. Then they will find that place among those who are sanctified by faith in Jesus, the family of God. Then you will belong there and it's a glorious place. Paul brings to a close his second letter to the believers in the city of Corinth in Second Corinthians as we know it. With this charge, 2 Corinthians 13.5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Christ Jesus is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? That's a sobering charge. So examine yourself, where are you at? And if you're not sure, follow the progression. Ask Jesus to open your eyes, turn from darkness to light, receive the forgiveness of sins, and take up your place in the family of God. And you will be blessed. Thank you.